The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So welcome to this morning. My name is Maria Stratman, and uh, I'm here for Andrea, who will be returning next week. (laughs) For those of you who have wondered where she is, she'll be back. And um, this morning's topic is a continuation of a series that we've been doing on greed, hatred, and delusion. The wholesome roots and the unwholesome roots, the unwholesome roots of suffering, and the wholesome antidotes to those unwholesome roots. So this morning is about delusion. Delusion. Um, I'm going to start. I'm going to start by reading a poem. This poem is by um, David Budbill, uh, and it's called My House. I built the house I live in. I built it myself. It's been sturdy and strong all these years. Now, little by little, something cracks here, breaks there, falls apart somewhere else. Repair this, fix that. It's an endless and losing battle. It can't last forever, no matter how hard I work at it. After a while, you just can't keep up. Sooner or later, it's going to come down. Now, this poem can be about a lot of things. It can be about a house, the physical reality of maintaining a house. It can be about aging, getting older. It can be about relationships, It can be about the self that we create, that we live in the world, that we present to the world. It can be about the appearance of delusion in our lives and how practice slowly breaks it down. Let me read it again. My house. I built the house I live in. I built it myself. It's been sturdy and strong all these years. Now, little by little, something cracks here, breaks there, falls apart somewhere else. Repair this, fix that. It's an endless and losing battle. It can't last forever, no matter how hard I work at it. After a while, you just can't keep up. Sooner or later, it's going to come down. I chose this to open a talk about delusion because it does, in fact, fit all those things, all those ways that we create reality for ourselves. How we create safety and security and stability for ourselves by what we think, by our views, by how we create our life, how we hold it together. And delusion refers to confusion, bewilderment, wrong views of reality. So what is delusion? Delusion is believing what is not true. Or conversely, not believing what is true. The difficult thing about delusion is you kind of can't know what you don't want to know. You know, it's, it's like a blind spot. It's like, how can I, if I don't know it, how do I know I don't know it? And so I'm going to tell you the answer is you actually do know. But we've done a lot of things to make it not be true. So this morning, I want to invite you to look around the room and see this room and see that everybody in here has good intentions for being here, and to see this room as a safe place. I will not judge you. 
You don't need to judge you. What I'd like is for all of us to really feel, just for this morning, totally safe. This is a good place to explore delusion. If you don't feel safe, not a hope. This morning, um, because of the BART strike, I decided I wasn't going to try to drive all the way across the Bay Area to get here this morning. And so, because I had something I did in San Francisco yesterday afternoon, I drove down to Palo Alto last night and stayed with a friend. Well, that'll be easy, then I can just drive up. And in general, that was a good strategy. The BART strike did end, but I don't know how many people knew that it ended at four this morning. So it seemed like a good strategy, right? I'd be very rested. I could come in here. Well, I could tell you I got here at the last minute. (laughs) Um, Because it turned out that my friend was dealing with something... uh, A a very dear friend of hers is dying. And she was uh, sad about this. And so the last thing I did before I left this morning is say, oh, I just want to talk to you a minute about Joel. (laughs) And um, so so I'm here this morning to tell you that, that I feel vulnerable because I connected with her sadness and her grief. I know about other griefs in her life. I know about the challenges that she faces today that she feels that she needs to be strong for in addition to dealing with the death of her good friend. And I carried that sense of vulnerability with me when I came here this morning. So I'm sitting here feeling the vibration in my body, feeling vulnerable in my body, sitting up here in front of you. So I'm telling you this because I also realize that everybody in this room has a story about what happened this morning, about how they got here, about expectations, and whether those expectations were realized or not realized. And that we all come, and in a way we kind of set them down So when I first got here, I said, oh, how wonderful that I get to just sit now. I'm going to just sit now. And then my mind went to, oh, I'm so sad about how sad she is. And I know about these challenges. And if I had just said this to her, maybe I could have helped what's going to happen to her. What a train my mind got on. And what my mind was doing was trying to fix her sadness by thinking if I had just said the right thing. But what's also happening is my mind was recoiling from the pain I felt on her behalf. And it went down this track of maybe I can fix her pain and then she'll feel better and then I'll feel better. The delusion that I am describing for you rests on whether I am willing to be here with my sadness and my grief, the grief that I'm experiencing around her sadness. And when I found myself off on this place where I was, well, if I just had said this thing about this challenge that's coming up from her, that would have eased what's going to happen with her today. I realized how far off I was, and I said, okay, back in the body, back here, what's actually going on? And then I was in touch with that pain again. And I have to tell you that being in touch with that pain right here in this moment feels open and free and real. And back where I was thinking about how I might have fixed or should have fixed or could have fixed that was feeling contracted and rushed and tight. 
in the delusion of I can make it better, whereas the reality of just being here with the sadness was skillful, was real, was what's really happening. Delusion is the unwillingness to see things as they are. Seeing things as they are. And we hold the idea that if we can make ourselves happy, that's what's important. The opposite of suffering is not happiness. The opposite of suffering is freedom. The freedom to see things as they really are. And to operate from that place. So we're going to do a little exercise. And remember, this is a safe place. This is a safe place. What I want to do is have you close your eyes and think about something that has happened to you that is very good, very pleasant, very unpleasant, something that has a really high emotional impact. It might be the birth of a child, the death of someone close to you. It might be something that happened at your work. It might be bliss. It might be the first time you made love. Think of something that has a really high emotional output to you. Something you can really feel in your heart. And try, try not to get too lost in the story about that event. Try to just feel it and know that that is the best thing you can do. Feel what you really feel. Allow yourself to feel it. Know that you are safe. And just feel it. Right in this moment, what it is. And hold that moment with compassion. Whatever it is, don't judge it. Just, ah, feel it right in the core of you. And then slowly, Concentrate on your body. Bring yourself into this moment. Notice the feel of your hands wherever they are. Wherever they are. Put your attention on those hands. Just feel those hands. And allow yourself to open your eyes. How was that? You don't have to comment. If someone would like to comment, that's fine. One of the things that we forget to do for ourselves is to feel how we really feel. 
because the mind wants to fix everything. The mind wants to make it all better. The mind wants to control it. Just as I thought I was controlling my ability to get here at a reasonable time by staying in Palo Alto last night, that's just not what happened. We make plans. We tell ourselves stories. We create a vision of how we think things are, and then we're encountered with how things are. And sometimes we pay more attention to the reaction of how things are than to actually how things are. Part of the reason that I wanted to do this exercise was to partially recreate for you what happened for me when I sat down on the cushion this morning. To get back to what are you really feeling as opposed to what the story was I was beginning to create around how I was feeling. That story that we create around how we're feeling is the home of delusion. It's the place where we try to make everything fit. I need to just do something here to make this... Okay. Um... So not only do we try to make things fit, but we have this idea, because we're kind of programmed to do this, that if we can create a vision of happiness, then our route from this pain to happiness is this route. We have a route. We have a plan. But it turns out that actually just being here is the thing that's easiest. When you can be present for pain and happiness in equal measure, you have reached a stage of equilibrium. When you can allow something to be there that may be unpleasant, that you're not running away from, that you're not trying to make better, There's ease there. There is ease there. There is a lack of what we traditionally call suffering. One source of suffering in my life at the moment is is IO seven. <laughs> the uh, so so I have my talk here on uh, on an iPad and the the program has been updated to fit with the new iOS 7, and um, it has bugs. And so it'll suddenly go away, <laughs> right in the middle of what I'm trying to say. Okay, so when we are... So, so I'm going to say some things about delusion. It's not that we don't know anything. It's that when we have this idea about the path, we keep going on the path but we're not getting anywhere. <laughs> you know, it's, let's just keep going. It's like we've lost our way and we just keep going down the route. So we, delusion is, is often based on the stories we tell ourselves about where we've been. So we'll say, oh, I know what that was about. That was just me doing so-and-so. Or, oh yeah, that, and it's a way of putting off actually feeling experiencing what is right here in the moment. Oh, I know that. You've been in a conversation with someone and they're going to say something, you're sure they, you know what they're going to say and you don't want to hear it again and you say, oh, I know that. And they may not have been going there, but it's forestalled. When we are fearful or in a painful situation, very often the suffering arises out of the fear that it will always be this way. It will always be this way. Whether it's pain or fear or unhappiness, it's always going to be this way. I'll never be happy again. I'll never be free of pain again. I'll never get over this. We've all said this to ourselves. Not to reinforce the pain, but we believe it. We believe this will never be the same. 
This will never change. This is delusion. Self-flagellation, self-loathing, self-negation is a delusion. I'm not good enough. I'll never get better. I've always done this. I'm just, I just can't do this. I'm not a good meditator. I'm not a good mother. I'm not. This is a delusion. This is a story. This is the house we've built that makes us, we like stability even if it's negative. You know, the devil that you know versus the devil you don't know. No, it's quite all right. It was intended as a joke. I'm glad you laughed. <laughs> um, denial is delusion. This is not happening. I'm going to pretend this is not happening. I don't see this happening. There are many versions of this that we have in our lives. No, no, no. I know you think, no, she's getting better. Believe me, she's better. I've gone through this with someone close to me whose daughter is a drug addict. No, she's getting better. She's getting better. She's not getting better. Cannot see it. Denial is delusion. Turning away from the truth is delusion. Turning away from the truth is delusion. Mistaking one's view as self is delusion. I believe this, so I am this kind of person. Delusion. It's just one thing. When we don't understand the interdependent and impermanent nature of life, when we are constantly looking outside ourselves for for happiness. This is delusion. My friend, when I was speaking to her this morning, said, well, you're lucky you have a partner to share your grief with. I know why she feels that way. But that grief is there whether you have a partner or not. That grief is there whether there's someone to share it with or not. You can have a very, very close and loving relationship with a partner, and you turn to them and they are not there. And they are not there. They're in the same room with you because you need something right now, and they may be needing solitude right now. has nothing to do with the relationship. Nothing is a guarantee. Things change. Things are immobile. We are, are mobile. We, we form ideas about this is how it would be. If I'm grieving and my partner is in the room, he's going to comfort me. Well, maybe if he knows you're grieving, he might comfort you. But maybe you're just irritable <laughs> because you're grieving. He doesn't know. He just knows you're irritable. What's that about? I'm getting out of here. But we have this idea If I had a partner to share this grief with, it would be easier. This is a delusion. It is looking outside for a solution to problems. Being right here with how things truly are is the most skillful and easeful way to be. So how do we do that? How do we do that? One thing is we don't take the first thought that arises in our minds as truth. It's just a thought. Just a thought. So the most useful strategy is to say, what else is happening? What else is here? What else is here? Because the first thing that comes will be a random thought. The next thing that comes is going to be a habitual thought, maybe. And the habitual thought, oh, this is my coping strategy. I know how to deal with this, and we're down there. But when we say, okay, what else? 
So when, when you notice the contraction around trying to fix something, you can say, uh, what's going on here? What else? And then you might notice that you're not here, that you're somewhere else, that you're not looking at how things really are in this moment. And you have a choice. You can say, well, I really can't do this right now. But no, that I can't do this right now is different than running away without knowing I can't do this right now. Do you see the difference? It's really a big difference. What the Buddha said is know what you're feeling. When I am feeling pleasant, a pleasant feeling, know that you're feeling a pleasant feeling. When you're feeling an unpleasant feeling, know that you're feeling an unpleasant feeling. When the mind is lustful, know that the mind is lustful. Don't turn away from it. It is totally without judgment. These are not good or bad. The absence of delusion is knowing where you are. You know, a friend of mine used to say, if you, if you don't know where you're going, it doesn't matter where you are. <laughs> the, the opposite is also true. If you don't know where you are, it doesn't matter where you're going. So with fear, there's, a, there's always a feeling that maybe the fear is never going to go away or the, or the bad thing or the, the pain or the, the suffering, it's never going to go away. On the other side is, this is blissful. And immediately you have the fear that it's never going to be here again. I've got to make the most of this moment because I'll never feel this great again. This is so wonderful and oh my, what if it stops? And I am so in love and now what? You know... Um, I remember once saying to my stepmother that, that it was right after I got married, and I said, look at this, everything is so wonderful, I am so fortunate, I'm feeling so grateful, and, you know, as a good Buddhist, I know that everything changes, and, oh, it's just scary that I'm so happy. And she said to me, and, how, and I said, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to fall. And she said, how do you know this is not the other shoe? Well, you know, it sort of took the wind out of the sails of, oh my God, this is never going to get any better. And, you know, because in my mind was this structure, I'm happy, I've done nothing to warrant this happiness, so this happiness is going to go away because things change. I was trying to make happiness something permanent. And what she was saying is, you're not even looking at half the picture, <laughs> Now, I've repeated this to her. She doesn't remember saying this, but do I remember saying this, her saying this? We are either convinced the worst will happen or the best will never happen. These are tendencies that we have. Or, or we say, if this happens, then everything will be wonderful. As if it's never going to change. Once, once this happens, once I have a partner, all my, all my problems will go away. No, 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 no. Anybody who's been married or has in a partner relationship knows this is not true. <laughs> and yet we still think, oh, yes, oh, yes. Yes, do you want to hand her the microphone, please? Yeah. Thank you. My name is Kathy. Um, I'm responsible for my 94-year-old mother. I have two siblings who are not involved in it, but they repeatedly tell me how grateful they are for all that I'm doing, and I always get very angry. And I, I, in, in listening to what you're saying, I'm asking for some a way to look at that, to... to to change the way I look at it when they say that. And I tell them I don't appreciate what they say because I still feel the heavy burden. So, 
So what is so... Um, anger arises when they say, thank you for doing this. Now, I don't know what the dynamic is, but I suspect that while you are operating from some piece of generosity toward your mother... There is some uh, yeah, I don't want to impute things to you. So there is also a sense of why do I have to do all this? Why am why does everybody assume this is okay to do? There's That's something exactly right. there's something about this that is presumptive. Yes, and that's exactly that's exactly the word I needed to hear. How can they presume? You know, I don't know that I want them to say anything, yeah. but they constantly make excuses why they can't do it. And, um, but I, don't, I no longer uh, worry that they can't, but all I want to do is realize the present and, and, and be done with that hatred that I feel when I hear those words. Okay, so there, there is some delusion here. Yes. And part of the delusion is... Um, there's, there's, there's several places to go here, and I'm not a counselor, so I want to be sure not to get into the wrong world. But um, you, in fact, do have a choice. You are choosing to do this. Your siblings, whether, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, there is some reason that you are continuing to do this. And your siblings, by saying thank you, are absolving themselves for responsibility. And somewhere where you are is, don't thank me because I don't really want to be doing this. I don't want this burden, this whole burden. So untangling that is not simple. But when you hear, when you react to your sibling saying thank you and get angry, there's something about that being thanked which doesn't feel honest to you. Yeah. So look at, the, look at the honesty of how you really feel. It actually doesn't have anything to do with them. It's just a trigger. Something is in you. Ask, what else is here? So, so I may speculate, it's, I don't feel worthy of thank, thanks because I don't really want to do this. It doesn't feel generous enough. Which is a a delusion about what generosity means. You are, in fact, doing this. So rather than looking at them, they're just a trigger, look at, at what's going on in you that allows you, impels you to continue this, and you might surprise yourself. We have a, another... Uh, this sounds like a situation where she's feeling some kind of pain, but what she becomes aware of is her angry reaction. And if she can separate that and just concentrate on whatever pain may be the wrong word, um, but it sounds like there's this dichotomy that where the anger sort of comes up and clouds whatever else it was inside of her. I mean, you were talking about some of the feelings of, you know, I'm not really up to this or something along that line. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really don't want to speculate on exactly what's going on with you. I, what I want to do is encourage you to see what else is here because the anger is pretty far down the road from what's going on with you. Please use the microphone because we're recording all this. 
also our mother is a narcissist. And the th three of us don't know how we survived her. And what you said is exactly how I'm looking at it. I never wanted to ever see her again. And so it has to do with my, my relationship. I see her, and I, I accept the responsibility now, and I see her as a job. Okay. But I think that part of me that's pained is the part where she was never my mother, and now I'm responsible for her. So you really helped me, and that's what I wanted to hear. It's I want to live in the present karma. I want to be done with this. So, Okay, this is good. This <laughs> yes, is very it's good. Yes, excellent. Thank you. This is very good. So, which actually brings up the next thing I wanted to talk about. It is perfect. Okay, so... Um, I'm going to click down. I have more things to talk about than make any sense. So, When we talk about delusion and how we react to desire or aversion, one of the, the central features that has to do whether an action is wholesome or unwholesome has to do with the motivation behind it. Which is why I asked you, why are you doing this? And really look very carefully at, at that. Do not accept the first answer. Go down, because it does uncover this basic pain. Okay? Now, each intention in the mind is an energy powerful enough to bring about subsequent results. It is that energy. And every mind state or thought or emotion that we experience repeatedly becomes stronger and more habituated. So one of my favorite, but you know, you're going to hear it again, <laughs> from the, the first verses of the Dhammapada, all things are preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind, speak or act with a corrupted mind, and suffering follows like the cartwheels behind the heels of an ox. All things are preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind, speak or act with a peaceful mind, and happiness follows like a never-departing shadow. The way to uncover delusion is to ask yourself, am I acting, thinking, being with a corrupted mind or a peaceful mind? And what is a corrupted mind? A corrupted mind is a mind that is full of not wanting or wanting. A corrupted mind is a mind that feels contracted, that feels shut down, that feels angry, that feels like I want to push away what is true. And when you see that corrupted mind, this is not a con condemnation. This is seeing what is true. Allow yourself to feel what you feel. If you feel aversion towards something, know that you are feeling aversion toward it. Don't tell yourself a story to build it up because then you will be habituating your mind to that kind of contraction, aversion, ill will, and suffering will follow. Know that aversion is here. Look at what it feels like in your body. Ask what else is here. Because in the process of asking what else is here, there may be a root out of that aversion. There will be a root out of that aversion. A little over a year ago, I had a lot of trauma with my family. I felt that we had become quite estranged. And I felt that I had given them something that was also not only not appreciated, but turned into something quite ugly in my mind. So without being specific about it, I felt very betrayed. 
And I had to, I, it took me a while to get to the feeling of betrayal from anger. Okay? And over the, over the period of time, I found myself constricting around this and, and shutting down and callousing over. And so I did a practice that involved first stating what I just read for you, what I just repeated to you about operating from a corrupted mind or a peaceful mind, because that was something I could align myself with. And then I said, I am heir to my own karma. My happiness or suffering depends on my own intentions and actions, not others' wishes or what others would wish for me. No matter how I might wish things to be, otherwise things are as they are. May I see things as they are. May I see things arising and passing away with equanimity and balance. This became, it's, a, it's, a, it's an equanimity practice actually. And it's like doing a meta practice. In the process of doing repeating this for myself. I did it a lot when I was doing walking meditation. I repeated this. I am heir to my own karma. My happiness or suffering depends on my own intentions and actions, not others' wishes. No matter how I might wish things to be, things are as they are. May I see things just as they are. May I see things arising and passing away with equanimity and balance. And the outcome of that was to realize that my family was not the cause of my suffering. My suffering arose out of my wishing things were different than they are. That was the source of my suffering, not my family. Seeing that, I was able to let go of blaming my family for my unhappiness. That was a huge relief. Truly, I cannot tell you. It isn't something you can do intellectually. It is not something you can say, oh yes, that's the right thing to do. You truly just have to feel it. It You have to get to the point where you say, they are not the reason I'm unhappy. I'm unhappy because I want things to be different than they are. And until I can accept this is how they are, I'm going to be unhappy. I'm going to be suffering. And it's like holding a hot coal. When are you going to drop it? Wanting things to be different than they are. The Buddha said, for the good to do what is good is easy. For the bad to do what is bad is easy. For the bad to do what is good is difficult. For the noble to do what is bad is difficult. When we train our minds to be present for what is kind and gentle and generous and open we cannot be unkind, ungenerous, closed down. It is a way of conditioning our minds. And we condition our minds by being very mindful of what is happening now, of what is true. And this is the antidote to delusion. And it falls apart a little at a time. It breaks down. But eventually, it will fall down. Thank you. So, questions, comments, further discussion? How does it feel? Yes. 
coming here for the last year and a half since my wife died has taught me that uh, pain is not the same as suffering. And um, by experiencing my pain openly, I suffer less. Thank you. When, when we lose someone close to us, it is very painful. And, you know, one of the things I noticed when I was with my friend this morning is in experiencing her grief, it was very clear she was also experiencing grief of other people she has lost in her life. And I recalled people I have lost in my life, which is what allowed me to be present with her pain because I knew what it felt like, because that actually connected it. It isn't that we rolled around together on the floor in agony. It was that I could be present with her because I understood that pain that she had. And I wasn't afraid to be there for it. And what she was experiencing was, um, well, I have to be strong. Because her version of how to cope with this is to be is to overcome it. You know, I'm going to be strong, and and that I can identify with too because I've done a lot of that in my life. But I now understand that strength is not strength is not the answer. Softening around that is the answer. Softening around that pain and the the being with something uncomfortable. That is where ease comes, a gentle softening. This isn't something I expect. I will be practicing this my entire life. This is not something that just... Maybe, maybe there are arahants who have totally given up greed, hatred, and delusion. And I would like to. <laughs> I aspire to this. You know... But when things don't go the way I have planned them, carefully laid out and controlled, and then something else happens, the real question is, what do I do then? What happens in that moment when you realize you don't have control over life? I want it to be different. If I just had this, it would be better. If Bart just wasn't on strike, I wouldn't have had to pack quickly, you know? And I would not have packed a skirt instead of pants. (laughs) Bart didn't have anything to do with that skirt. (laughs) But we do things in our minds to, to sort of cushion life. And freedom is more about experiencing just life in all of its existence. And not judging it to be good or bad. The good or bad part is all happening up here in the head. All happening in the mind. All happening in the mind. You know... um, Part of doing it a little bit at a time is noticing what we hold tightly to. What do we hold tightly to? Ask yourself what that is. In the moment, what am I holding on to? My idea of how things should be or my ability to rise to every occasion (laughs) or I'm holding to some belief structure because all of this changes and the rigidity with which we hold something is a measure of how tightly we are holding to a delusion how tightly we're holding on to something that we think will fix how things really are. How things really are. 
So how do we, how do we, de- how do we develop that habit of seeing things how they are? You know, I, one thing I mentioned was what else is happening here? What else is happening? Also, what am I holding tightly to? But a really important part of this is the mindfulness of checking in with the body. When I told my friend this morning that she needed a massage because her right shoulder was up over the top of her ear, she said, what? And I'm, <laughs> oh. I said, you know, it looks to me like you're bracing yourself. And she goes, oh, I am. <sighs> we, do, we, don't, we forget to check our bodies. And so the, the first thing I noticed when I sat down on the cushion was this, this kind of fuzzy vibration feeling in my fingers way out at the ends of my fingers. And I said, ooh, what's that? <laughs> you know, just, you sit down, we, you're rushing to get here and do things and make things happen, and, and then you sit down and you say, why am I feeling this buzzing at the end of my fingers? And you don't need to know the answer. Being vigilant, being vigilant to what's going on in your body is just a clue that wherever my mind is, it isn't here. It isn't right here. Because this is a surprise, this buzzing in my fingers. So then you, you notice that. Or when you notice anger, notice where the anger is. So if the anger is you know, tightening in your belly, that's usually tied up with a story that's running, you know, justifying that. I'm going to justify this. And you tighten up and you curl, close up. If the anger is in your shoulders... Well, you know, maybe that's more about resentment or, or you know, bracing yourself or, you know, find out what else is there because that will give you a clue to what's really going on for you. What's in your body is a clue to what's really going on for you. So check in, check in. And above all, Cut yourself some slack. This is not easy, but it's well worth it. May you all have your houses fall down and have it be okay. (laughs) Thank you.